0: This podcast is about the Yardbirds, and it is dedicated to Bill Bowman. The Yardbirds were a British invasion group in the second wave, maybe you could almost say the third wave, of British groups in the early 60s. And I just want you to know this is not a VH1 behind the music thing, which I'm not entitled to do, don't have enough knowledge to do, nor is it intended to be some kind of a an encyclopedic um, give-you-all-the-facts-in-exact-order uh, recitation of the epic and impressive career of the Yardbirds. Rather... This is my personal. Um, Reminiscence of the Yardbirds, uh, for whom in my life and the life of other friends of mine, uh, there was a close encounter, probably in 1966. I don't remember the date, but I know the exact and can describe the precise circumstances of the close encounter. This is a reminiscence, but it is also an impression. It is an attempt to talk a little bit about an avant-garde group and sort of the meaning of avant-gardism, at least to a young adolescent boy such as myself when the Yardbirds hit thanks to Bill Bowman to whom the podcast is dedicated but it is also um, a, a comment on the nature of sort of throbbing and primeval Love action, to quote the Human League, um, uh, or uh, or the sort of primal energy of uh, of of the all, the absolute, the Brahman, uh, God, um, the libido and uh, love, uh, as uh, the Yardbirds absolutely incarnate. At least in my own opinion, I want to talk a little bit about the sort of the what what happens uh, to art before it completely goes insane. And that will be in terms of the guitar solos of Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page. I speak as one who sits or stands on the verge of uh, of insanity. And uh, there is something very important about staying on the verge or on the lip of the cup or on the edge of the crevice and then uh, learning from the uh, the expectancy. I also, as a religious man... I want to say something very brief about secular music. That is to say, music that has no explicit or implicit reference to anything beyond itself, to some meaning, some ultimate concern or interest, or some final eschatological life and death uh, mortality versus frivolity, the Our Town dimension of life. This also comes to the fore in a brief discussion of the yardbirds. Well, now, who were the yardbirds? They were an English uh, group that came out of London with a, uh, a fabulous uh, a vocalist, blonde vocalist who fit the bill, named Keith Ralph, a fellow named, uh, I don't have the exact uh, facts in front of me, but I remember them. A fellow named Samuel Smith, that was a hyphenated last name. A fellow named Chris Drea, D-R-E-J-A. And uh, a fellow, I believe his name was Keith McCarty. And then the the sort of soaring high note of the group, or the the aspect that that hit us where we really lived, the lead guitarist, who in the early days was Eric Clapton, before he uh, went off to uh, really devote himself completely to what we called at that time British blues. Uh, And uh, when he left the group, they uh, brought in, uh, uh, I think at the suggestion of the later uh, Messianic Jimmy Page, they brought in uh, Jeff Beck, who played in really their most famous songs, and then um uh this it's it's jeff beck's uh, uh pregnant power in his um in his uh just on the verge of falling over the cliff, guitar solos that 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 just knocked us out. And then uh initially as a bass player in which I personally saw him uh, function and then uh to the uh the great lead guitarist of the final work as we know him in Michelangelo Antonioni's 1967 film Blow Up and then uh and then a marvelous late and last album called Little Games now, um, uh, some people are ahead of the curve in life, and uh, they're very valuable people. There's a kind of prophetic uh, ability to sense what's, uh, what's really on the edge of, of the next phase of human development. And I, uh, I encountered this with my friend uh, Bill Bowman, uh, quite literally, who, when we were in the 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, uh, Max 10th grade, Max 11th grade at St. Albans School in Washington, Bill, Um, kept uh, like a magician bringing rabbits out of a hat he kept bringing to us new material that was uh, for which we were barely ready but which struck an enormous nerve i can't remember what bill's source was i know that he'd spent some time in europe i know that relatives of his were frequently in england and in europe controlling the, uh, the 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 new releases and uh, he had a source but he also had a kind of uh, immediate understanding of what was what was exciting and uh, I'm sure that uh, Lloyd Fonville and I could never forget the time when uh, Bill uh, pulled out of a hat the album uh, called England's Newest Hitmakers and it was the first album of the Rolling Stones. Now that was long before Satisfaction and this may be the last time and it seemed very rough to me. I wasn't prepared to, to, to go all the way with this rough uh, and uh, new sound. It wasn't the Beatles for crying out loud. It, it wasn't uh, the Animals even. It was too uh, rough. Although the f- guitar solo by Keith Richard as he was named at that point uh, in... Uh, not fade away was uh, shockingly propulsive, and of course it touched the the deepest interests of of young adolescent boys and uh, uh, Shall I put that in singular and uh, uh, but nevertheless it, 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 i, I couldn 't quite see that that was going to be the the future of music, but uh, not long afterwards, probably in uh, in uh, early 1965 or maybe the autumn of 1965, Bill suddenly uh, brought out uh, virtually from under the bed in his house in Bethesda, Maryland, a, a, uh, the LP of, uh, of uh, the uh, Yardbirds uh, album, I think it was For Your Love. And uh, he played us a song called Good Morning Little Schoolgirl." I think it's a cover of an old uh, a blues American song. And by the way, all, several of you know so much more about this and can give me the facts. I'm trying to offer an impression, a primary, personal, gut-level impression of an avant-garde a work of art and development that, that captured the heart and the head and the, and the inner and outer, the body of, uh, of a young man and uh, the effect it had. I'm trying to give a little profile of the effect of, of something truly new that actually resonated, to use the word, connected, echoed with something going on inside. And this was the first releases that we had ever heard of the Yardbirds music. And remember, I'm going to try to bring this into a slightly uh, maybe broader uh, picture of of. Uh, of art that that is controlled and yet just about ready to go insane coupled with a final reflection on secular music and what it is and what it cannot be and what it uh, and and what its limit also could also uh, remain to be now we heard Good Morning Little Schoolgirl with a fantastic guitar solo. I think it was Jeff Beck, and I immediately said, Whoa, what is that? Uh, and uh, this uh, music he played us, Bill did, in his uh, uh, bedroom there as kids, and it just, we knew that something important was going on. Well, the next Christmas, My sister um, uh, got me the, I think it was the second uh, uh, album of the Yardbirds. And uh, this uh, uh, was uh, some live performances which weren't quite as exciting, but it did have uh, songs like um, You're a Better Man Than I, with, again, one of these amazing guitar solos. Now let me tell you about what this is all about. You have it in Heart Full of Soul, and you have it in You're a Better Man Than I. You have it in Shapes of Things, The Train kept a Rolling, which comes back in a later... Artistic version called Stroll On and a number of others, uh, Evil Hearted You. And what would happen is that you'd have a, a good, arresting uh, rhythm track, a backing track with a very sort of nasal, unusual vocal by this mop haired blonde, uh, sort of a shrimp of a guy uh, named Keith Ralph. And then the and then you'd have this guitar solo, and it would just take off. First, it would start, it was, it was. we always loved the guitar solos. We lived for the guitar solos. But then it, it went, always went a step further. You're a better man than I. So it goes up and up and up. And finally, it almost bursts over the page, but it doesn't. It stops and then goes back to the uh, original song and the refrain. But you're, <gasps> you'll have to hear it. By the way, I don't need to apologize for not having all this music technically in here, like some kind of... Uh, a documentary, a rockumentary. This is not a rockumentary. This is a personal impression. You, the living, uh, can go back and find this. It's, uh, it's a click away, click away, click away. You, all you need to do is get there, kiss away, and you find uh, on YouTube or any other source you want to go to, iTunes, and you'll immediately, you'll be able to hear this. You're a better man than I, and uh Train kept a rolling, and uh, heart full of soul, and and uh, evil-hearted you. Again, these these—they're uh, compressed, they're uh, 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 sharp, uh, they're uh, they go way up the neck, or whatever the word is, and then you. And then they're just about to go over into some wildly dissonant uh, uh, thing. You know, uh, you see this perfectly, by the way, in uh, the late Joe Meek, when Joe Meek, who was himself going insane, um, occasionally lets himself go in Joe Meek's uh, later um, uh, um productions. For example, uh, you hear it on uh, his uh, production called Craw Daddy Simone. I don't remember the group, but he really goes crazy in the production of Craw Daddy Simone. You feel like you've entered a kind of the insane world of a visionary, of a visionary, but it's more than you can take. So listen to Craw Daddy Simone. You can click it on right immediately on iTunes or on YouTube. And uh, you'll see someone who, unlike Jeff Beck, has lost his control and goes over the edge into a truly weird and upsetting uh, mental derangement. And yet it's a wonderful song. I happen to love it. it. It goes where most of us are afraid to go. It goes to the uncharted territory of the human catastrophe and the human confusion and the human, human chaos in light of uh, mortality, uh, because it is so extreme. And why not go there? Well, in any event, uh, we heard the Music And uh, again, we're, we're talking uh, 1965, late 1965, and it, it knocked us flat. Well, it wasn't long after that that one of us, whether it was uh, Bill or Lloyd or myself, I, I don't remember who it was or someone else, but we uh, got the word. This was the close encounter. We got the word. The Yardbirds were coming to Washington. They were going to play Across the River, which to us was as far away as uh, you could imagine. It was the back of beyond. And uh, uh, it was, they were going to play the Alexandria... Roller rink or Alexandria skating rink, which in those days was was a skating rink, but it was also a kind of a, a smaller arena where you could have concerts and uh, rock concerts occasionally. And I think quite often played there. The building's no longer there, and I never saw it before or after. But we went, uh, Bill and I and Lloyd, maybe some others. We may have gone in separate cars. We got there through our mothers. It was usually through our mothers. We were not yet driving, <clears throat> and uh, imagine these poor women. Uh, and uh, we go to this. Uh, to this thing, and there they are. Now, the uh, the, the opening uh, uh, band or act was the Shangri-Las. I'm gonna walk right up to him. Give him a great big kiss. moi. Walking in the sand. remember. Walking in the sand. remember. And of course, leader of the pack. How does he dance? No. How does he dance? Close. Real close. Ah! Well, we had no desire to see the Shangri-Las, who were, in fact, wonderful. There, there was no nothing campy at this point. There was nothing kitschy about it. Those three uh, uh, women, uh, girl singers with their great bouffant hairdos and their kind of attitude. But it wasn't... Uh, it seems like it was out of Greece, but it, it, it to us it was it, we weren't that interested in in uh, the Shangri La's. Although we didn't, uh, they weren't Leslie Gore. There was something a little cool and a little angry, a little bit of Chrissy Hindish about the Shangri La's, but nothing funny about it at all. And we all stood. It was a situation where everybody was standing, and uh, they, uh, uh, it was really right out of a, out of a late. It was out of Antonioni's movie, but it was in Alexandria, Virginia, and they did their numbers, and that was great. They had some good guitars, and behind them and it was great and we even one of them played a guitar and I'd never seen a uh, a woman with a bouffant hairdo play a guitar now we move along and there's an intermission and out comes to tremendous adulation from the crowd the avant-garde but hard driving propulsive group the Yardbirds now they all my memories they were all wearing white. Keith Ralph was the obvious one because of his his uh, Beatles type brian jones's uh, blonde hair, and he had his uh his mouth harp as we were just learning to say, his harp, which was his harmonica, and he was playing like crazy without one of those funny things that John Lennon later wore or, uh, of course uh, Bob Dylan, you know like braces, you know uh, a retainer he was uh, just uh, playing it with the microphone against this thing and uh, there were the others they were wearing white shirts, but not sort of. Uh, Either a Nehru style or kind of Beau Brummel style, they were medieval white shirts with uh, looking like Charles II. They were just white shirts and blue jeans or Levi's and black boots, of course, and they were just fan. Fantastic, and they were. There was no sentimentality. There was no showmanship in the old-fashioned sense. Although there was tons of showmanship, and they came out and they played all the songs we wanted to hear: "I'm a Man," and "For Your Love," and "Good Morning Little Schoolgirl," etc. But um, I later found out. Of course, Jeff Beck. We know. We knew at this point, and we watched him like a hawk. He was the lead guitarist, and it, he didn't break his guitar, but we felt he might at any moment. There was such, uh, and yet they weren't sort of asking the crowd to like them. There was no uh, insecurity. They just came and they played, and they played hard and they played long and it was fabulous and every guy in the in the in the audience was just the congregation was electrified um we didn't know till later that in fact playing with them that night it was not a late night concert it was more like people like us who were you know in the 10th grade it wasn't a lot of drunk you know college students it was uh, you name it anybody who was there was there but it uh, was surprisingly young crowd as i remember and he uh He, uh, I only have eyes for you. And they played, and there was a bass player who it later turned out was Jimmy Page. I mean, there we were. uh, Lloyd and Bill and I and the others, we were in the room with God. I mean, of course it's a religious experience, looking back on it, and I have no bones about it. It is a religious experience, if by religion, we mean trying to find our way back or forward to our greatest roots and our deepest concerns, uh, which obviously have a a tremendous amount to do with libido, and that that age had everything to do with it. It was was a total response, and Jimmy Page was, I believe, I later found out this is absolutely the case, and I think Bill has told me this, and I went right by me, but uh, Bill Bowman has recently brought me into the truth that it was um Jimmy Page on bass and uh Jeff Beck on Lead and Ralph and two others, and it was just beyond belief good. And it was short and sweet and powerful, and we were just out of breath, and we'd never heard anything like it. Now, you have to see this is avant-garde music. This is not Freddie and the Dreamers or Herman's Hermits, which we like to, at least I did. But it was uh, it was something, it was hard and sharp and new and uh, moving always in the in the direction of the of the of the weird. And uh, it wasn't Frank Zappa, cause we didn't know about that, but it was uh, it was definitely and it wasn't artistic in any consciousness. A sense that we would use that word like uh, you know les enfants du paradis or black Orpheus it was it was something energetic that was tapping into something but in a futuristic way shape of things now this is not a religious group in the this is a secular group there is no redeeming social significance that I can find in any of the yardbird songs except a little bit of psychedelia later on, a little bit of Timothy Leary maybe en practice en praxis uh, but there's nothing of that. Uh, of any kind of wider context that I could see, uh, but uh, there was this futuristic dynamo uh happening in front of our eyes, and we we heard it in the in the the the, the guitar experimentation that that was never kept uh, never lost contact with its core rhythmic libidinal. Of uh, bass uh, and uh, uh, edge that uh, got every guy going, and uh, this was music that was always pushing what we now call the envelope, but never going over, which is a very powerful thing because it lets you go over the edge. It lets the listener. It doesn't tell you what to think. It carries you right to the very edge of whatever. There are many words for this, but whatever the kind of final uh, fruition is of the of the energy and the movement, but it it pauses. And so it did. It pauses on the very edge, except in one notable exception. Now here we were with an art that was uh, uh, so powerfully arresting and stopping of any other analysis that we're we're. St- it's not the Beatles. Uh, it's not art. Uh, nor is it catchy. But it captures us in a, in a new place where we're really ready to be captured. And uh, these guitar solos, one after another, and we saw them when we were, of course, converted. This is a lifelong religious experience to, at a certain age, to encounter a, a degree of energy, talent, and uh, prophecy as the Yardbirds were for us. And we knew it at the time, although we wouldn't have used words like this. But we would have used a few, like, that was so cool. Can you believe that? That was uh, sort of our way of saying what I think I'm trying to say now uh, in a in a slightly different uh, sector of my human journey. Now, um, I went to France the following summer for the first time and uh, was always looking out for things. Uh, I do remember listening with my French uh uh, friend over there uh, on the t- Paris uh, radio show uh, for teenagers called Salut les Copains. I remember listening to Over, Under, Sideways, Down. That's how the French announcer, the Les Yardbirds, uh, avec Over, Under, Sideways, Down. And uh, that was really great. And, uh, you know, with that incredible um, And that was Jeff Beck again. And they were just fabulous. And they came out with this album, Roger the engineer but at that point I was beginning to move in some other directions and I wasn't following them with the accuracy of of the very man who had brought this material to us, Bill for example who was the origin and the source of the drug um, Roxy Music and uh, it was the source of it but uh, we knew it and over under sideways down but then not all that much longer. I want to say in early, maybe, spring of 1967 blow-up opened. And that's the celebrated movie with David Hemmings and uh, Vanessa Redgrave with her her undress from the waist up, but from the back, the famous picture of her sort of... doing something by which she hoped to get some film back from a photographer who had had some negatives which revealed a murder taking place in a London park. And um, very, very fine movie, amazing movie. Uh, The ending, I never got. The disappearing of everyone around the tennis uh, match, but um, it was obviously a, a, a somewhat self-conscious play on the London Carnaby Street late sixties scene. But it was very good, and what we, what I remembered more about it than anything else, seeing this movie, was that the uh, there's a scene in which David Hemmings is kind of looking for something or running away. I think he's actually looking for Vanessa Redgrave. Something like that. And he's, it's like a, in the 39 steps when Robert Donut or Kenneth Moore later ru- runs through a door and finds himself in a political rally. And he's the main course. Now, um, you, um, you, in this case, Hemings runs into kind of an alley and back into a door and over. And suddenly he's in a, he's in a theater, a rock theater, the Alexandria Roller Rink. And um, it's the Yardbirds. And everybody, it's sort of arty because everybody, as I remember it, you can actually YouTube this anytime is seen. Everybody's sort of standing. The directors obviously told all these young uh, sort of stand- uh, extras who are supposed to represent uh, uh, cool uh, uh, types. Uh, they're all standing there in London uh, still like statues except two people I think who are dancing. But he comes in and the Yardbirds, uh, as opposed to everybody who's standing stock still, the Yardbirds are going wild. And there's Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck and Ralph and the two others and they're playing Stroll On, which is like the train kept a rolling. And Stroll On which finally has Paige and Beck, one of the rare times, I think there were two others, but this was one of three times on tape that they were captured playing together for the Yardbirds. And when it comes time for the, for the instrumental break in Stroll On, they go nuts. They, there are two instrumental breaks and the second instrumental break is like Daddy Simone. The guitar's going... And it's absolutely crazy. And in the uh, movie, we foreshadow the Who or maybe we simply reflect the Who because Jeff Beck takes his guitar in the movie and is so angry at an amp that's not working right that he smashes his guitar, destroys his guitar, completely smashes it, destroys it with his boot jack and then throws the broken guitar into the audience. Davy Hemmings captures it and runs away uh, having this very precious icon of religious uh, um, idolatry. I mean, there he is. He's found what he's looking for in every way and the look of it. I mean, you can put every layer of significance on it you want to. He's found what he's looking for and he runs through the uh, crowd and they're chasing him because they want it too. Well, the stroll on the (coughs) Yardbirds, in my opinion, (coughs) is the high point because it goes all the way over. But others would say that the earlier uh, songs like uh, Mr. You're a Better Man Than I and um, Uh, Over Under Sideways Down and uh, Evil-Hearted You, many others, uh, hold the line uh, in the face of mental illness and uh, and stroll on crosses the line. Well, um, this story has a good but also unhappy ending. Uh, Keith Ralph, I think, was electrocuted not long after he um, went on on his own and began to record. I think they're sort of limp, but who am I to say? Uh, but he, they did do The Yardbirds with Jimmy Page on lead guitar and no longer Jeff Beck did a concluding Album called "Little Games," which is actually very good. The single version of "Little Games" has one of these incredible, on the verge of despair, on the verge of uh, insanity. Wonderful guitar solos by Jimmy Page, and now we're beginning to—you can begin to hear a little bit in them of uh, of Led Zeppelin. It's actually there, and then they did a song. uh, the last one I'll talk about is called "Goodnight, Sweet Josephine," and the U.S. version—you have got to hear it to believe it. It was—I think it came out about. Uh, this is we're talking about early 1968, right? Right, right uh, at the time of uh, when we're all in the, you know, in the, uh, the, the the 60s are really hitting massively. And "Goodnight, Sweet Josephine," which is about a streetwalker from Clapham who's looking at all the guys so as to grab them, and everybody likes her. She's a sort of a streetwalker with a heart of gold, and uh, it's a f- delightful song and uh, dear actually but then all of a sudden right in the middle of this sort of almost a music hall ballad that you know I'm Henry Eighth, I am you know a music hall ballad suddenly this is unbelievably V- virile guitar solo that just shakes the house it shakes the house and that's in uh, Goodnight Sweet Josephine which was something like their last uh, single and then Ralph was electrocuted in a I think it was an accident relating to an electric guitar in his home and uh, he died and uh, the group had already split up and we know what became of the, the great fortunes of uh, Jimmy Page God and uh, uh, we had seen him in his pre-incarnation or in his Egyptian captivity prior before the moment of blessing, thou art my beloved Led Zeppelin and in thee we are well pleased. Well, that's pretty obvious to say. It's a little cheap, isn't it? A little easy, but, but there that's the way we saw it. That's the way we felt it. Well, I've given you my little uh, summary, and you can immediately go up now and look these things up on YouTube or iTunes, and you'll have a heck of a good time. This is music that's abrasive, and it hasn't dated. The odd thing is, Good Night, Sweet Josephine, Stroll On, Heart Full of Soul, um, Over Under, Sideways Down, Good Morning, Little School Girl. There are others. These songs, if you listen to them today, are just as electric. And uh, shoots through you, vibrating as uh, they were when they came out. And that's really probably the mark of art, which is not about an idea that someone has gotten, a concept that one has... <clears throat> crafted a, a, a notion that one is tweaked to use the awful word there's no nuance to it although uh, it's so archaeologically and subterraneously in touch with the deepest uh, drives of people uh, the drives ultimately for love but we could also talk about sexuality we can talk any way you want it, any way you want it um, it's uh, so deeply in touch because of some inner level like Jack Kerouac talked about you you know, that inner, deeper, that deeper vibration underneath uh, all the surface things—it vibrates with the listeners in the Alexandria roller rink, or uh, in a bedroom of a young man and his friends in the eighth or ninth grade in Bethesda, Maryland, long, long ago in nineteen. 19- 65. These, uh, these uh, universal chords get touched and they never vary and I still listen to this stuff and love it. Now I want to just close with a word on secular music. I've loved the Yardbirds for many years and I return to them about every six weeks and have to spend a day just listening to the Yardbirds. And The best collection by the way, there are many collections that you can get all this stuff and you can now get it of course through iTunes but if you want to uh, uh, with liner notes, a really good uh, DVD, uh, CD of it, you'd get the Rhino collection which is called the yardbird's own unlimited ultimate, sorry, the yardbirds ultimate double CD collection by Rhino and it is uh, really good and uh, here you have uh, uh, the whole story told. Um, The music uh, is not referring to anything else but itself. Yes, there is uh, uh, the psychedelic aspect in a song called Psycho Daisies and uh, Happenings 10 million years ago or something like that And you have uh, um, shapes of things to come, shapes of things. Uh, There is a little bit of consciousness, self-consciousness in it. You could call it a little arty, but I don't think it is. I just think it's extremely close to the earth. And uh, I get into it about every six weeks, as I said, and have to spend a day. But the only thing I – the one limitation, you might say, and I find this intensely in the music of Jeff Beck, although I, I don't think it's intentional in any way, shape, or form, it just is so good in itself that it doesn't really refer to anything. There's no paradigm. There's no narrative. There's no meta narrative. There's nothing uh, you could write – Somerset Mom could have – today – would write a most extraordinary long short story about the career of the Yardbirds, or at least through the eyes of one of them, probably not one of the famous ones. Because all life has a kind of uh, narrative to it. Everything is connected in that way with some kind of uh, development and movement, often regressive. But um, in terms of uh, concept or abstraction, there's absolutely nothing abstract in this music. And I guess when I say that it is thoroughly secular music, as I see it, that is to say it does not attach itself to some um, notion of an ultimately concerning there's not something that is uh, heart-grabbing, that sort of head-grabbing, that takes you, you know, like the birds, God's Eye shot from Hitchcock, that sort of wants you to see a big picture. There's nothing of that to the yardbirds. It's totally concrete music. It sort of fits in with what I, we were talking about, unconventional thinking last week. Uh, it uh, is... Um, it is what it is. It's a cliché to say it, but that's really what it is. And what it is is very fine and very basic and uh, uh, unchanging at its best. And yet it doesn't try to ask or answer questions that are outside its, uh, its brief. And for that reason, it's very, very fine. It doesn't ultimately um, grab me uh, forever. Uh, in other words, there other, there's other music that... Uh, that I find I mean sometimes a little bit in traffic, sometimes a little bit in Eric Clapton, I, certainly you couldn 't say this of the animals or even the beetles, although the beetles uh, there 's a lot you can say <laughs> Duh. Um, but journey, um, uh, but I do want to uh, close by saying that, uh, as I say this, I realize probably that what I want to say is that they 're living in the extraordinary moment of the impulse. With a degree of uh, control, which is very unusual for people, uh, to hold back on saying everything, but they say almost everything, is um, is very wonderful. It, this music is uh, it's avant-garde music that that is universal, and therefore it's not like weasels rip my flesh. I mean, you may like that, but it it uh, it doesn't. Uh, It it somehow doesn't sustain. And uh, the very fact that I'm talking to you as someone in 2011 who uh, first heard the Yardbirds music in uh, in 1965, and uh, uh, this music still has the power to alarm and also excite and to thrill, that's probably something very, very good in itself. So go home, move back to your media and uh, listen to some of these songs and decide what you think. And uh, don't listen to Stroll On until near the end. And then go and rent the movie Blow Up and see that section. And uh, it may be that uh, it uh, uh, is a statement of, uh, of the kind of archaeological substrata of the human being that we can learn a lot from and might even seek without sort of trying too hard to emulate, whether you're speaking as a preacher or whether you're um, uh, writing for a movie or developing any kind of creative concept. Um, You might find that the closer you stand to the earth, uh, the deeper your archaeology is able to um, dig. Uh, The more uh, uh, in touch, both in the here and now, and in the shape of Things to come, your uh, efforts might find themselves. Thank you so very much and uh, God bless. I'm glad you've heard this about the Yardbirds.